This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on the phone is David Bishop. David, thank you for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure, Clay. Thanks for having me. I wanna, I wanna hop back. In, I wanna hop right into this. It's funny though. Before we, before we begin, I, uh, you and I, you and I talked about doing this interview what seemed like two years ago. So I'm <laughs> so glad <laughs> it took a pandemic, but we're here, and uh, I'm excited to hear about your background, everything from Sony Pictures to MGM to IMAX and and beyond. So taking it sure. back to the beginning of time for you. Uh, what were your entertainment dreams growing up? Um, well, let's see. Growing up, um, you, you know, I used to I used to play in a band a lot, but I, you know, and and I did that for you know through college and and things like that. But I, I don't think I ever had aspirations to to have that be a living, you know, and. Um, but entertainment was always really like at the hub of of my passion. So I started wanting to be in the music industry, and uh, so I, you know, went down that path. And in in school, I took a you know, took a course on the business of music, and <clears throat> and started to make contacts in the music industry, and then every uh, everyone told me that, okay, if you really want to get started on the ground floor, make all the key contacts at the, at the record labels and things, things like that, you probably have to start at retail. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I did. So I started in the back room of a, of a record store. You, you remember what a record store is, right? Oh, yes. They used to have music <laughs> used to come on these big 12 inch discs yeah. and then later on tape, um, so, uh, so I started there and then, you know, kind of worked my way up to, to run the store in center city, Philadelphia. And, uh, and it was right at that time when the whole home video thing started to take off. So we're, you know, in the, in the mid eighties, I guess. And, and I think because essentially, um, in the music industry, we were, you know, call it uh, software media distributors in a way, right? So it was we were <clears throat> we were pack packaging content and and marketing it and merchandising it. So the studios, when that business emerged, started to look within the music industry or the record industry for people that start that business, and then that's when I. I had a friend who was at Columbia Records, and then he got promoted. He was in, at MGM. And then he got promoted, and then asked me to come in for the interview for his job, and that's that was the the beginning. Going back to the record store, what was the mm -hmm. reason for your promotion getting up to the point of running it? Were you just sticking around long enough, or were there key actions you took? Yeah, I I think um, it. You know, I I was really you know passionate about it and wanted to learn it. So I so I learned so I learned every aspect of what was happening in the store. You know, man managing the inventory, doing the merchandising part of it. Um, you know, 
leaning into the customer service aspect of it. So, uh, so like, like any promotion, when you're, you know, you're on a path of any business, you, you get really good at the tactical stuff. And then they say, Oh, well, you're really good at the tactical stuff. Now you should manage people. Um, but they never tell you how to do that. (laughs) So, so that, that, that was, that was why I got there. And then there was, you know, really a learning process on what makes an effective, uh, manager and leader that I had to learn the hard way. And we're going to get to the leading leaders section of your coaching and all that further down the conversation. I'm curious though, those early days of leading, if you're willing to admit some of them, (laughs) were there any mistakes that you made or any big lessons that stand out in your mind from those early days of leadership? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, so it was my, and this, this was like, like the hardest 360 that, that I ever, <laughs> that I ever went through, you know, six, 360 processes when people kind, you know, uh, people who report to you evaluate you, Sure. but this wasn't, this wasn't in, intentional. So, um, so I'm, you know, seated at the, at the back of the store, uh, you know, the office is like perched up so you can look out over the store and there's a glass window in, in front of you. So you could see all the employees and, and, and what's happening with the customers and all that. <clears throat> and uh, at that moment in time, the regional director walked in, this woman named uh, Ari Schmidt, and um, she was approached one by one by every single person in the store. And when she finally made it back, to my office, she uh, just put her feet up on the desk and said, "Everyone on that floor hates you." Oh. And I was, I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I always considered myself like, like a nice guy and and all that. But what I learned was that I was treating all those people like they were an extension of my to-do list. You know, uh-huh. so I was just. I was just giving, giving orders and saying, you know, do it this way and do it that way and, and never really using their ability to contribute to the team and contribute to the goals, you know, in that case of this, you know, 8,000 square foot store that, you know, we were all in it to make it successful. And, and that, so that was a, that was a hard lesson. And then I, you know, I took it to heart after I recovered and, <laughs> and went and went to each and every one of those people and asked, asked why. And that was, so that was the hard lesson yeah. that I, I learned and just, and just kept creating kind of a food feedback loop with my employees for the next 30 years. You know, I wanted to make sure they felt that they were, um, contributing and knew that their opinions were valuable. And, and so that, that really, um, helped me decide what my leadership style would be. Did that have a role in your friend seeking you out to take over the position at Sony pictures? 
did uh you mean that lesson um yeah well no yeah my my actually that the beginning part of my career was actually at mgm so okay i'm um, messing that up sorry yeah so that 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 was the first phase of my career and no it he he probably didn't know that story wasn't like i was running around sharing Sharing it it. to right yeah sharing it to to people um it was more that you know he and i had a mutual respect for one another and and we actually you know hung out a lot outside of work so we became friends and we actually managed the band uh together for a short period of time so um so it was it was more about the personal relationship and the you know the fact that he knew i would do a good job was the time at mgm uh, mm-hmm. at during the time at mgm are there any standout mm-hmm. moments to you uh big conversations or events or moments in time that come to your mind as particularly special at your time at mgm um, well, well, there was, you know, that there was a sense that we were pioneering this new business, even though it feels like ancient history now, you know, the notion <laughs> of people, of people being able to, to have movies in their home, you know, that they select and wasn't just on broadcast TV was, you know, a, a major innovation that at the time. And, and and just a surge in the in, in the business, so um, so there was just that that feeling that hey we're riding this we're riding this new new wave and and so so that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I you know there were um, you know just the the ability to be able to market all these great films whether they're films from the the MGM library, like, you know, Wizard of Oz, which we did, we did a major, uh, campaign, I guess that was in the late, uh, eighties. Um, you know, that was fun and, and, you know, eventually all the, all the talent realized that, Hey, this is where the money is. So, (laughs) so they, so they lean, they, they leaned in and, and you know, I got to build some meaningful relationships um, with uh, you know people like uh, like Jeff Bridges, who actually he and I went off to form a uh, a charity around uh, ending hunger in in the U.S. So um, yeah, so that's you know those those were a couple um, you know going to. Being able to go to go to all the all the premieres, which was cool in the beginning, and then became a major pain in the ass. So, <laughs> so, 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 you know, after you've been to a few, you're like, yeah, okay, there's another star, and right, right. in another dinner afterwards. So, um, I actually learned a way to get in, get seen, and then get out and get home and, and be with my be with my family without getting into too much of the nitty-gritty i'm curious mm. uh and forgive my sure. ignorance on the topic but i it would come yep. to mind that you would have these conversations with the head of blockbuster 
so to speak. And yeah. you would be talking about yeah, yeah. massive distribution deals, um, you know, across yeah, the globe. Yeah, sure. um, were there yeah. any any standout uh, conversations, meetings, negotiations, anything along those lines that uh, come to mind in regards to these like quite large deals that were happening? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there were, there were huge, um, business deals that, that involved, um, you know, making the product more accessible and, and you know, I I don't want to get into too much detail, but before the, the industry was really built around the, the retailers would buy the movie from you for say like $50 and then it would be up to them to make their money back by renting the title for as long as they could rent it and they could keep the profits. So then there was a, there was a pivotal moment where the, there was a concept of revenue sharing where the, uh, where the studio would share in the profitability of the title, but they would, greatly reduced the price to, to like almost <clears throat> the cost of manufacturing around the, you know, which was around a dollar or two. Sure. So, you know, those were, were big, uh, that, that was a big deal and a deal we did actually with, uh, with Blockbuster. Right. Um, but, and Blockbuster was just massive at that, that time on, on the, uh, on the fun side of that i got to uh go to a party with um uh, wayne heisinga was the chairman of blockbuster and he invited just the studios to his house in florida and um and he was also the owner of the miami dolphins so we had this huge party at his at his house he had invited. He was also a big donor to either Florida State or or Florida University. There's there's one that has a uh, a circus program. So he brought all these circus performers and and took down the nets of his tennis courts and and so we had these <laughs> you know Cirque du Soleil type of uh, performers you know jumping all over all over the place and on trapeze and sure. whatever. And then he piled us into in, into a bus, and as we're pulling out of the hotel parking lot, we notice that we have a police escort. So he takes all of us, you know, through this police escort down to the Dolphins Stadium for a Monday night um, Monday night football game. Mm. And then we're sitting in the suite, and Wayne is describing to us what this new stadium is going to look like for his baseball team. Which ended up being the Marlins. So, so that was uh, that was a pretty cool experience. Did you during this time, you know, during the VHS mm. boom, so to speak? Yeah. Did you foresee yeah, yeah. it coming to an end? Did you have in your your gut that this was a temporary thing? Well, yeah, we we knew it was a frustrating model, and um, and we were and we also saw what was happening with the music industry, right? So they were innovating and moving away from, uh, eight tracks and, and, and cassettes mm-hmm. to, uh, to CDs, right? So, 
So we, you know, we knew this, there was this ability to have digital information on disks. So we were planning for years to move from this kind of clunky business model and clunky ish technology to DVD. And in that process, we wanted to move forward with DVD as a collectible item, not primarily as a rental item, but one that, that, um, you know, movie aficionado go into any retail store and pick up a disc and start a library. Sure. So, um, so yeah, so we, you know, it was both, we were, uh, we were looking to create, to create an ownership model and knew that would, that would be difficult in the existing model. And, and, really riding the wave of the next technology. So um, we spent a lot of time, you know, working with, with Japanese hardware manufacturers to, uh, to create this technology, Sony, Sony being one of them. And um, yeah, and launched it in the, I guess it was 97 where we, really officially launched that that technology. And um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it seems mm-hmm. like then Blu-ray was a relatively short uh, span of time yeah. that didn't, yeah. didn't do what it was hoped to do, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it depends who you talk to. <laughs> I, I mean, sure. I, I, remember, I remember having, you know, conversations about, about Blu-ray, um, and we knew it was really a bridge technology before we started delivering movies through the through the internet. So um, it was slow to change because you know really you were people already had a, a you know a collection and a and a disc technology in their home. So what you were selling into them was really a higher quality experience, right? right. Not, not this new, you know, this new kind of uh, cool, um, innovative way to watch movies. You were just really saying, okay, well now you have high definition TV or high definition TVs were be becoming more prevalent, and and this is the best way to watch a movie on 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 that the, the quality the audio quality is better the video quality is better um but we we knew it was it was really going to be short-lived because uh we you know we also we always have the ability to, to look back on what was happening in the music industry right and the music industry is already shifting to um you know to the itunes model to to um you know, people were just um, collect. They were accessing content through uh, pirated websites. So we, we knew eventually the technology would make it easy for movies to be viewed in that way. So was was this a a, a trouble of yours to convince other executives to realize that you had to keep innovating and adapting and moving forward, or was this kind of unanimous? <laughs> 
Uh, no, it definitely wasn't unanimous. It, <laughs> it, uh, <Okay. laughs> it, it was, you know, although we, you know, we, we always had the music industry in our rearview mirror and, and saw what they did when things started to change, right? They, uh, when things like Napster came in, into being, the music companies were literally suing individuals who were, who were act, trying to access content through the, the internet. Yeah. So we knew we couldn't do that. Um, but there was always a, an element of the studios who were trying to it, protect the, the existing way things were, that things were moving, right? So there was uh, a big resistance in some part when, when Netflix decided to stream movies, some, you know, some viewed that yeah. innovation like, like, oh my God, we can't let this happen. We have to, we we have to prevent it from from happening. And and I, you know, I guess there was a certain point in in my career that that I just said, you know, you got to follow the consumer, right? Because if the if the consumer wants to to view content in a certain way and you don't give it to them in a legitimate way, they're going to find out, find a way to, you know, to just access it through a pirated site. So we might as well lean into, you know, to streaming and to digital downloads and to, and to making uh, video on demand more, more prevalent. So, uh, so that was the approach that we took. Um, it was hard because we, you know, at some level we knew we were, we were cannibalizing our own business and, and that business model was, was going to go away. And, and so it did. You've been listening to entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.